When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Wow, my God. One of your favorite, oh. te- one of your favorite teammates. AC, okay, let's, uh, you, you ready, Ace? Are you ready? I am so ready. I've been, I stayed up all night for this one. <laughs> Showtime with Coop is powered by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Well, hey, welcome to Showtime with Coop podcast. And my main man, A.T., is on here. But I am so proud, so proud and honored to have one of my favorite teammates. Uh, I've had the luxury to play with a lot of guys throughout the 80s. And this young man that we're bringing, well, he's not a young man anymore. He's an old guy now. Uh, I forget you, man. (laughs) Old guy. A.C. Green. But he was affectionately on our team called Junior. Ace, how you doing? I'm good, Scoop. Doing good, man. Thank you for letting me be on your podcast, man. I actually feel honored. I really do, man. You you called me out and asked me to be on this podcast with you. I'm like, yo, c- count me in. Thank hey, you, brother. You were always one of my favorites. I didn't I didn't uh, too much like you, and we're gonna get into that later. I'll tell you why. But That's, you know that what? part's true. <laughs> when we gonna get into that, when I wore more for your Oregon State school. I use only thing I dress in is purple and gold and red and black. That's New Mexico color. So I wore this for you, Ace. Orange, burnt orange, right? That's it, hey, brother. So to get us started, uh, tell us about growing up in the Portland area, playing basketball, high school, how you got to Oregon State, and then we're going to take it from there. All right. So now, growing, you know, growing up in Portland, um, it's a small, Portland's a really small, and especially during my childhood days, a small town, um, just not extremely diverse uh, group. I grew up in what we, at that particular time, was our inner city. Um, and it was, it still was a lot of fun just growing up there, uh, started in baseball, was my favorite sport as a child. And then, you know, I went from baseball to football, uh, and then I sort of just fell and stumbled into basketball, and it was my older brother. I have four, it's four kids in the family, and my biggest brother, his name is Lee, he's four years older than me, and he was the one that actually introduced me as a child into basketball, and it's one of those things that, you know, being the baby in the family, Scoop, I had like, I was at tag along. Mama always said, take your, you take your brother with you to the park. You take him with you. So it was one of those. They didn't want to take me, and I didn't want to go, but you know, the rest was history. And so that was sort of the childhood upbringing. Um, like I said, falling in love with baseball more than anything else. And uh, I retired from baseball, even though I led the league in home runs. But why I, did you retire? Why did you retire from baseball? Well, um, well, okay, I'll tell you why I retired. I led the league in home runs, okay. all right? 
I, I was an all-star pretty much the last, pretty much most of the years in Little League, of course. And, uh, and I played every position that you can play. And so I was like, always like one of the top kids. And, but I realized at the age of 12, I also led the league and getting hit by the ball. <laughs> That's why I quit, Ace. I got hit in the leg with a little pot water. That hurt, man. <laughs> that was it, man. So I said, I told, I told my coach we had a we had a, a coach to player chat in the locker in the in the dugout, and uh, it was our last game of the year. And I remember like yesterday. And he says, he says, I said, I said, Mr. Robinson, I said, you know, I can't wait. This is exciting. I said, I'm sad that this this is the last game. I said, but I'm excited for next year because we get to go and we're going to go and do it again. We're going to do so good, you know, at our next level. And he says, yeah, Pony, it was called Pony League at that time. And he says, yeah, you're going to do, you are going to do great in Pony. And I'm like, my eyes got big. I'm like, well, what are you saying? And he's like, well, I'm going to stay here in Little League. And the next thing you know, I realized that I was going to be going on my own. I said, I'm done. I led the league and getting hit. And I'm not going to have my favorite coach. I'm out of here. Next thing you know, it ended up only being basketball in my life at that time. And that just got me into high school, at Benson High School there. And then I went on to Oregon State. And uh, at the time, school, when I, got out of, when I got out of high school, I remember my senior year, I went to go watch Oregon State during my recruiting time. They said, well, come on down, watch one of our games. Oregon State, the number one ranked uh, team in the country at that time. Yes, in the country, not just the state, the country. Because I know you I don't like you, that. I believe you. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so who do we play that particular weekend? B. Scott Beezer at Arizona State. Okay. They, they come into town with Sam Niffy, with uh, Sam Slam and Sam, uh, and Kurt Niffius. Yes. Okay, and. Uh, um, the other scoring guard, Paul, Paul Williams, was also part of that crew. They came in and waxed Oregon State. <laughs> Just like, so, so I was like, um, Ace, was Fat Lever on that team? With, with and Fat, yes, yeah. thank you, yes, and Fat. And, it's like, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, all, as we know, all of them went into the league starting, you know, first-round draft picks. And so it was one of those things. That's how I sort of got started in the basketball. And next thing you know, college. And then I ended up with – I was – I was having at my senior year in, in college for the last three or four months, I would say that I remember distinctly. I was, my favorite, my favorite cereal was Wheaties. Okay. I was like, you know, psychologically, I'm like, I'm going to be a champ. I want to, you know, I want to be the best, you know, this, that, and the other. So I'm going to eat the breakfast of champions. <laughs> and, hey, you, I'm telling you right now, who's on my box? It's nothing but the showtime. <laughs> showtime. I got you on the box. <laughs> Obviously, Cap, Buck. I mean, it was like so crazy. Big, uh, big game was on there. Baby B. I mean, it was like, of course, Coach Riley. I mean, I'm, I'm having breakfast with the champs. And lo and behold, man, months later, I'm there in the, I'm there in the locker room. I'm like, this is crazy. Now, listen, Ace. Before we get to that, let's go back to your senior year at, at Oregon State. And Jerry West, who's been like a father to all of us. I mean, yeah, he's true. the one that made specific picks for the Lakers. And in 1984, prior to you coming there, we had our, what's the lack of a better word, our demise with the Boston Celtics. For some reason, we just couldn't beat them. I grew up in Los Angeles watching it go down all the time in the 60s. 60s. Lakers finally win in the 70s. But now we're revamping. And that right. goes from the past. The Boston Celtics come, and we, we lose that 84 series. And Jerry West, I, I'll never forget this. He came and said, you know what? I got a good kid for us. 
And we're like, okay, who is this guy? Because you definitely got to prove yourself coming into camp. <laughs> so he says, A.C. Green, uh, did you talk to Jerry at that time or had you met him and had any conversations about him dra drafting you as a number one pick in 1984, 85? You know, I... We had a conversation, yes. Okay, we, we, we didn't have a lot of conversations, but it was very, he, he communicated it very well, clearly and distinctly. If I'm available, he's going to get me. And I, I took him for his word and I took that to heart, as nervous as it still was and sounded, because I'm like, wow, you know, kind of feeling. But, um, but he said he thought I was a perfect fit for the style that you guys are playing, you know, and you wanted to continue to play if you wanted to go even more up-tempo. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we had, we did have a conversation for sure. It was very scary at that. Now, uh, coming into training camp and getting okay. with the Lakers, and like I've told this story before, my first year back in 79, 80, getting with the Los Angeles Lakers, I was drafted, and I remember walking in, and I seen this guy behind me, Kareem at Loyola Marymount. This before right. they had renovated the gym. Hey, so I pissed my pants, man. When I walked in there and I saw Kareem, <laughs> 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 Sky Hooks, and then Norm Nixon and Jamal Wills came in. <laughs> you pissed your pants when you came in when you saw Magic and all. <laughs> no, no, bro. You, hey, you was the only one that could piss your pants, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you, the, you the only one, man, that can claim have that claim to fame, bro. <laughs> We're going we gonna to bow down to you on that one. <laughs> hey, listen, hey, what was your thoughts coming into training camp that year? <laughs> no, no. I want to go back. <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. When we went to Ocotillo Lounge and the night before, um, at, this is at training camp, Barbara's in Palm Springs. College of the Desert. Yes, COD, exactly. Yep. And so I, I remember just that the, the eve. First, we had that that team meeting, okay, yep. with, all, with all you guys. And so I'm already like totally tripped out because now this is my first encounter with you guys, okay. I, I had all the execs. I had Dr. Buss. I had Mr. West, okay, Coach Riley and the, and the coaches. But now it's the players. And so this is sort of my first introduction to you guys. And so, man, was I nervous? Oh, I, I, absolutely. I was definitely nervous just, just in there, but I felt safe because I knew also the coaches were there. So it was like it was a controlled environment. And then that next day, the very first training camp, man, that's when the telltale and the moment of truth came because I remember lacing up my shoes like yesterday. And I'm lacing up before that first practice, of course. And, I, and I'm, I'm tying them. I'm tying my laces. They were already tied. I untied them just to time again, okay, to get myself a breather and like exhale, okay, usna, all right. And so, <laughs> so I'm as I'm tying them, I'm I'm acting like I'm looking down, but I'm I'm peeping all you guys out because I'm like to my am I I literally said it's my Wheaties box, it's my Wheaties box, <laughs> and I, I saw I'm you. loving you even more, AC Green. <laughs> I, I saw you, the three musketeers over there. Oh, they were on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm watching you. So I'm watching you guys do your, your normal warm up stuff, which I've come to learn now. That was just you guys, how you guys got warmed up. You, Byron, and Buck. And so I'm like, okay, so I saw you guys. 
I saw Kurt Rambis and Mitch Kupchak. All right, I saw them on the other side, and, I, and they're like like two gladiators banging one another, you know, just getting ready. <laughs> and so I'm watching all this as I'm still acting like I'm tying my shoe. And so, you know, because you guys, you guys made it clear the night before, rookies, you are to be seen and not heard. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm tying my shoe. And, and then all of a sudden, I, I, it was like an eclipse. And, I, and it was like Jurassic Park all of a sudden because I heard, but I didn't see. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. And as I'm looking at you guys all toward my left, it's the shadow, it's the eclipse coming, and it's Cap. And Cap comes out of my blind spot and he walks right past me, man. And I'm telling you, it was nothing but Jurassic Park. And I'm like, oh, snap, it's, it's Kareem. <laughs> you did piss your pants, Ace. You did it. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Ace, listen, this is when, and you listen to Showtime podcast with Michael Cooper and our guest today is AC Green. Ace, listen, this is when I knew that you had arrived and we're going to be a solid Laker player. It was uh, probably like our fifth or sixth practice we were playing. You know, we used to do four across and three across and a lot of running and stuff like that before we actually got into practice. But we finally got to where we were scrimmaging a little bit. And I'll never forget this. And it's a love-hate relationship I have with you. <laughs> was uh, I was on the left wing and uh -huh. they gave you a pass and you were getting back. Uh -huh. I remember driving to the basket, and I said, you know what? I'm getting ready to show him what it's all about. And I went up to slam dunk the basketball. And Ace, I had, I had you marked. I had you X'd. I had you talked about. <laughs> I went up, and I went to slam dunk, and you were standing under the basket. That's the thing that impresses me the most. You just jumped straight up in the air with both hands and grabbed my dunk and threw me to the ground. And the thing I hate about that is that you didn't walk over me or say anything to me. You just look down and go, Coop, let me help you up. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that. That's when I knew that you were going to be a significant part of what we wanted to finish accomplishing. And then again, we go on that next season with you being part of that team and we defeat the Boston Celtics. What memories do you have about that training camp other than Kareem walking by you and uh, you doing the number one on your pants, but again, in that practice? <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, let me tell you, my one, I will give you one distinct moment, uh, another distinct moment I had, actually. So, as we, as you said, as we went through our scrimmaging time, okay, and this was, this was when, for me, this is when I felt I arrived, okay, this was like our second or third day of, of training camp, and I remember, uh, I, two things happened, one, I made a, a post move, okay, and it was, it was, I basically came across and I did a drop step and Cap was guarding me. And so I, I did a spin drop step and I wound up getting a, a layup coop, a layup two feet from the basket, all right? But I scored and Kareem was right by me. And so I felt like I scored on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I scored on Cap, I scored on Cap, I scored on Cap. Now, of course, all that's on the internal. No one knew what I was really thinking. That's the first one. The second one, it happened during, it happened during our, our five on five. And I remember the, the ball swung around. Now, of course, I'm on the second team, the second unit, because I could barely get on the court at the time because I'm a rookie. So I'm like, okay, pay your dues. And so we're playing, we're playing you guys now at this time. And so, Coach, uh, I mean, uh, the ball comes to me on the left wing, and I'm like, I catch with 17 feet. I remember, like yesterday, pump fake. 
and and, and uh, Kurt Superman was guarding me. So for whatever the reason, he went for my pump fake, and so woohoo, you know, the birdie went flying. All right, so he went flying, and I'm like, oh my, I'm like, been here, done that. All right, this is my college patented move. All right, 17 feet from the basket, pump fake, defender flies, there goes Rambo. Now, all right, I got here comes. I'm going now to the basket, and I remember I went up. All right, two, st two steps. I got to my two-step plant, all right? So I'm going off one leg, and I'm going up. And I remember James comes up toward my left. And, and so I can see James. And so I go up, and I'm, I'm, and so I'm like, OK, I'm going to do a This is before the floater really came in. I was like, OK, I'm going to try and just float this one in there. And then as I'm going in, I see, I'm like, oh, I got to go. I got to get there. I got to reach there. Here, here comes Cap. All right, now obviously we already know how big Cap is, so I'm like, oh shoot. So already now you know how it is. In midair, you you got a split second. So by this time, when I saw Cap even timing his jump, I'm like, I'm going to dunk the ball. And so I, I knew I was away from James, and I knew ha I had the angle on Cap. And so I'm about ready, oh snap. I know I'm gonna be in the starting five after this dunk. I'm like, this is, oh yeah, I got two dunk on both of them. Yes, this is gonna be so cool. And I go, and I mean, I left, my arm goes all the way back. It's all the way back in New York. And I'm coming from way back there. And I'm, ugh. And they say, you know, man, I'm serious. I, from from um, James, my, James is about right here. And the ball, I'm, I got, I'm bringing it. James is here. Cap is about right here. And so as I'm coming just now over, out of nowhere, nowhere, didn't even know where, but you know, unfortunately, this dude knew how to time stuff. Here comes that mm, Michael Cooper. Last oh, hand. Oh, payback. Payback, <laughs> baby. It comes right here. And I mean, let me tell you something. It was it was boom with the ball, body, ground. That's all I remember. I love it. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm a senior citizen now, so my memory comes and goes. But I'm glad you brought that to my memory. Because now I don't feel bad about you blocking my shot. I got you back. I got you back. <laughs> Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, my boy, AT, tell us something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I see, I'm interested in, you know, here you come from, you know, your background, very religious background, joining a, a Showtime Lakers team that just won the championship, the Forum Club. I mean, how much did you know about what, you know, what this team was all about? And were you, aside from being a rookie joining a championship level team that had all time great players on it, I mean, were you nervous about that environment? No, actually, I wasn't. At it was a great. It's a great question too. I, I wasn't because actually, Mr. West, that was his first question to me when he was doing the pre-draft. He was like, "How are you going to feel in the locker room? You know, are you going to is, is are you going to be okay? Because it's going to be conversations like this and and discussions of that, that, and the other." And I'm like, "I don't see a problem with it, sir." I'm like, "I, I I've been in college four years," right. and he says, "Well, he's a son. It's a little bit different than college." <laughs> 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 but I said, uh, I said, no, I, I think I'm gonna be okay. I, I think I'm gonna be fine. 
And so I, I really, there's no, there's no precursor, all right, to Showtime. You cannot, there, there's no prerequisite class you can take. Nobody can tell you, you just, you've got to just go and experience it. It's one of those kind of things. And, and that's pretty much what it was really, really like. And I think it, it wasn't so much, uh, it, 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 the glitz and the glamour was there, but the guys were real. Okay, and that's what made that's what made it so family oriented. Okay, it made it so real and comfortable for anybody to be in that kind of atmosphere because the guys just wanted to play ball and they and they actually cared about you. And, and it didn't take long for me to really realize that that they did not. It wasn't that they actually hated me. They just act like they hated me. It wasn't that they were really picking <laughs> on me. But they they really they they were like cool. Even though they did not eat with me, it's okay because I was a rookie. I finally realized that. You know, even though they ordered me around to go get newspapers and go get water for them, you know, wouldn't let me get water during timeouts in right. practice. Right. All those things were because they loved me and it was just tough love. And I didn't, it took me some time to realize it because they did it with a smile on their face. And that's <laughs> what really <confused. laughs> Hey, listen, I, I, I want to kind of piggyback off of that a little bit and take you back a little bit further in your upbringing because okay. sometimes your upbringing prepares you for certain situations that you right. come into in life and uh like like you ace i'm from a very religious family my grandmother uh raised me uh i went to church from the time i was conceived until i was 18 and i left and went away to college where i could be on my own you even more so your 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 parents are, are really deep into the church your father's a pastor and i know you went to church all your life don't you think those type of uh, um, upbringing really help you through that and you being very religious we don't get into the absence of all the other things that you uh, <laughs> like but don't you think those kind of situations helped you uh, get set for that situation you arrived in no, Cooper, I think so. I think so because I think at the same time, you know, you, you realize that uh, your priorities and what you consider valuable, okay, and, and some things that you come to identify aren't negotiable, you know, and so who you are, what you believe, uh, how you relate to people, you know, it doesn't matter where you're placed in any certain type of environment, you're going to come with a level of respect, you're going to come with a level, a level of honor, uh, and, and, and giving people the respect that they deserve. And if, it, if it's reciprocal, it is. If, it's, if it, they don't, if they're not on, the, on that same wavelength, that's cool. Because you can't, I've learned you could not let someone, what they're going to do, dictate how you're going to respond. It was like, I'm going to be me regardless. And so that was one of the things that, yes, I think it was, I'm so grateful for that upbringing, you know, and so grateful uh, for the people that really poured into my life, you know, before I got to the Lakers and got to the NBA, because in reality, you know, I stood on their shoulders by the time I got there. I was representing them a lot more than just me. Hey, you know what? And then the one thing that I like to say about you and your, and your presence with the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, uh, being in the NBA is a land of plenty. There's plenty of right. drugs, plenty of alcohol, plenty of women, plenty of the negative things that you can right. do. And uh, we partook in those. And one thing with you coming to the team, uh, I'll never forget this. I said, Ace, listen, we're going to the strip club. And he says, I'm not going with y'all. The devil will follow y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, it was a lot less strip clubs, a lot less of the negative things. And I think you 
brought that presence to the team. And eventually, I think that was one of the, the saving graces for, for gluing us and bringing that foundation to the team. So I want to thank you for that because that's what you brought and you never wavered from your morals. And you actually uh, implicated your morals onto the team, which really solidified us a lot. No, I appreciate that, Scoop. I do it. And in reality, that, that's, and that's really the way it should be. You know, it's, you don't, you know, you don't have to be preachy, preachy, and, and it's only your way or the highway. You got to still be adaptable. You got to be relatable. And, and I think, I think what, what won me over in the sense um, was just the fact of, you know, how real, once again, how real you guys were. I mean, we went to dinner, we went to movies, you know, we, we went bowling, we did, we knew each other's uh, kids' names, we had family picnics. It was just that family atmosphere, man, that just, it just, it became so real and bigger than basketball. And so that was the thing that just really, I mean, it, it, I was blown away more by that than I was by just the actual showtime in the game itself. Hey, T, had never bowled until <laughs> this guy came on the team. That was one of my outings. Let's go bowling. Why are you talking about, AC? <laughs> but uh, uh, this guy was a changer, man. I love AC Green to death. Ace, uh, little things, a couple of little things I'd like to ask you. What's the best book that you've read, other than the Bible, what's the best book that you've read that you really enjoy? In, let's say, the last 15, 20 years. Um... I think one, I think one, uh, Stephen Covey's, you know, from good to great is probably one that I can think of. And I think, um, Scoop, I think it's really because it's one, it, it allows you, it may, one, it makes you think, okay, and, and not settle at the same time. Because good can be so, you know, uh, you can grab a hold of good in, in, in whatever area industry that you are seeking after it. It can be, it can be in a relationship, you know, it can be just in your business. Uh, you know, it can be at, at school and your grades, you know, it can be whatever you want to put that it factor as, but good can be something that's really attainable and, and accessible, but also it can be the, but it is the enemy of greatness. And, and so I, I want, I'm like, let's go for greatness. You know, that's what you guys taught me. Let's be great. Let, fame could come in a moment, but greatness comes with longevity. And that's what I learned so much from you guys, you know, and just teaching me coming in to a, a, a system that was really obviously great. I mean, a decade of it. It wasn't just like, you know, a one hit wonder. You got to the finals one year. You're like, oh yeah, you know. But it was like a, a, a decade of greatness. And then it was just that level of professionalism. And so that's what I think that one book would be. This, it'll be the Stephen Covey's Good to Great. You know, Ace, the reason I asked you that, because again, as a young person, and again, I'm from Pasadena, California, didn't have a lot of money to go anywhere. So reading was my escape to go to different lands and different countries and, and kind of like experience things. So I always tell kids that reading is fundamental. But right. reading is very important because it can take you somewhere. Sometimes when your situations at home are bad, it can take you out of those type of situations, okay? Now, what I want to do is get into my, what I call, Coop's Lightning Round. I'm going to ask you, I'll uh, give you five names, and you just have to just tell me a little bit about them, okay? You don't have to spend a lot of time, but just give me a couple of uh, uh, words about them. Carl Malone. Uh, a fierce competitor, uh, extremely strong. Um, and uh, actually a really fun dude. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, the bomb of the bombs, um, steady as a rock, and just someone that is forever faithful. 
Adrian Dantley. High socks. Um, <laughs> That's mine. Ain't you supposed to use that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I got more. I got more. Okay. <laughs> a, 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 a slow motion, a slow motion mechanical delivery. <laughs> uh, John Sally. Uh, I give you uh, one a fool. Okay, go ahead off of that. <laughs> uh, let, Mr. Mr. Humor. Okay, um, <laughs> it's just a just a hilarious dude. Always uh, always wisecracking, you know. Um, but a fun and a good teammate. Pat Riley. Um, someone I'm forever grateful for to have met, uh, to have taught me. Uh, and to spend time with me, and definitely a father figure, and I'm I'm always indebted to. Okay, I'm gonna go a little bit beyond. Uh, right. Kevin Kevin McHale. Uh, Kevin McHale, I, an another fierce competitor. Uh, loved to take the challenge to try and guard him because he was so good, and I learned. So I call him a good teacher because I learned a lot from him. Gary West. The ultimate of the ultimates, um, someone who believed in me, uh, someone who saw talent that I didn't know I possessed myself, uh, and someone who gave me uh, an unbelievable amount of confidence um, because he, he, he thought that highly of me and, and put and, and I would say used the first a pick, a draft pick for me. I was going to say waste one, but he used a draft pick for me. <laughs> He didn't waste for it. He got a, he got a good one there. Uh, last but not least, you know, we lost one of the greatest Laker uh, players in our family, Kobe Bryant. Um, a heck of a teammate. Um, a, a, actually, a, a fun dude to be around when you got when you got a chance to know him. Um, and ultimately, to me, was just a, a just a a wonderful family dude. I mean, loved loved just his being around his family raising his kids and be, and that became his ultimate so i he's much props to yeah it's gonna be truly missed hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, Ace, my got a couple more bones to pick with you, and this this next one is very, very serious and dear to my heart. Uh, I went for Look, man, I didn't tell that dude to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't heard it yet. 1985, 86, we are going and we're playing the New York Knicks. And at that time, Ace, I had the most games, consecutive games played. I was like at 560-something games straight. And I was very proud of that, very proud of that. And you were up and coming. You were the same type of player playing, but it was – you were probably like at 300 for me. And this particular game – uh, playing the Knicks and the late Pat Cummings 
had been they've been talking the newspaper about him being traded. So the Knicks wanted to get rid of him and this and that. And we were playing them and we were kicking their butts pretty good. And I know Pat was trying to guard you and this and that. But anyway, you go to the basket and I, I believe he filed we filed one, yeah. or one of the two. But he turned around and during that scuffle, he turned around and he slapped you. Or he swung at you. And uh I don't know if he hit you because he swung over my head and you were behind me. And when I turned around, you were laughing. And I says, okay, I know what that laugh is about because AC being real religious, you know, it's like you hit somebody, hit your cheek, you turn and you let him hit the other cheek. Well, I wasn't about to let that happen because I was there to protect you. And I went at Pat Cummings and I took it and both of us flipped over that front row <laughs> at the forum. We heard, we heard this old man hurt his leg, but we were fighting and Anyway, the skirmish ends, I get a technical, and I go out of the game, and Mr. Stern sends me a note and says, Michael Cooper, you can't play in the next game. And that broke my streak. And I was mad at you because you went on to be the Iron Man. That's your handle right here. You played 1,192 straight games after that. And I like to say, you know what? I might have broke mine. But I definitely kept AC Green's <laughs> intact, and I'm mad at you about that. But how does that feel uh, to play that many consecutive games through pain, through not feeling well, through just the whole thing? For me, at that time, it was a it was a, a record that I really held close to my heart because I always wanted to know. I wasn't a great player coming out of college, but I just knew that I came to work every single day. And now with you setting that record right there, probably won't be beaten by anybody, but how did you feel about that? 1,192 straight consecutive games, Ace. That's, that's damn good. Well, you, you <laughs> thank you, Scoop. <laughs> thank you. I, I mean, I want to, I really do want to go back to the fight part. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was so you to, to protect your teammates. Because that, yeah, because uh, like you said, the late Pat Cummings, he, yeah, he, he was, uh, he was ready to do something. That's for sure. He had a little uh, grudge going into that game. So, but thank you. Most importantly, thank you for always having my back. Always. Thank you, thank you for <laughs> running through me many a times to get to somebody else. Uh, and it, but it was that it was that mentality, and more importantly, that mindset. Okay, that I noticed that really helped develop the Iron Man. Okay, because it was one of those things that you you won. You were relentless. Okay, and and everything the attributes you just listed. You were relentless. You were committed. You're you're dedicated to no end. Every summer, you always tell me, you know, um, we always had that summer challenge to one another, who gonna come back and run the longest on the treadmill. And so uh, then I leave and go to Oregon. I'm only thing I'm thinking about, Coop gonna try and beat. He's gonna try hey, and beat. You know what, uh, uh, hold on, Ace, I'll interrupt you. That was some serious stuff there, man. We used to really compete. This guy could run forever on that treadmill with that thing stuck in his mouth. And stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ace. <laughs> no, you're right though. You're right, but it was it was that, but that that competition it bred that whole imagery of what the, what and who the Ironman really is, and it was only out of competition that you can arrive and and strive for greatness. Because good would have been just okay. I'm gonna meet my I'm gonna meet whatever the average needs to be, or I'm just gonna try and you know be be as good as the, the last player or the player in my position before. But when you're used to trying to go after greatness, you know you had to have a model. 
you had to have somebody that you saw going after and trying to lay out that the footsteps before you. And that's the, that's the thing. And I would honestly, I would say that was the blessing of coming to Showtime when I did, because I had you guys who were great pioneers and, 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 and role models, you know, to walk, to walk after. So that was really, really cool. Ace, you broke into the starting lineup and uh, you become that power forward, that unique power forward, because before you came, it was like Lonnie Shelton, uh, I mean, big 6'9", 6'10", right. big, big power forward. You changed that uh, and really made it a totally different kind of um, power forward, very mobile, uh, could get in there and bang with a little bit, but still could step out and hit that jump shot. So of your three championship rings, which one is more important to you? I mean, they're all important, but does one hold more significant over the other? Um, you know, Scoop, because I think because how we are wired in our DNA, um, you know, we've always been about family. We've always always been about teaching. We've always been about bringing one bringing somebody else along on that journey with you. And you know, that's what you guys did for me uh, coming into the league and teaching and showing me, and then, you know, allowing me to win and participate in confetti coming down and multiple times, you know, back to back at that. And, uh, and so I would say because of what I learned in showtime and then coming back with my new millennial Lakers, uh, that whole, obviously Phil, Shaq, Kobe, Robert, Derek, all those guys, um, that was a special that was a special group because we didn't know how good we were at that time okay i knew what i knew the dna of a championship team thanks to you guys all right but i knew i didn't see it there at the beginning of the season and so it was one of those things that i took what i learned from you guys and and tried to help interject that and inject it strongly into our guys there into the into the culture and more importantly to the mindset of our, our young superstar athletes who were fun getting numbers. And, and you and I both know you get all the points you want, but if you take an L's at the end of the day, you know, you, you just, you know, you're just another good player. Exactly. And so, <laughs> so and Ace, you know what, you have a, a, a record that won't get broken. I don't think you're the only player in NBA history to win a championship at two different arenas. You won one at the forum and then you won one at Staples center. No, you're right. And I, I feel, honestly, I feel really honored and super blessed by that. I mean, it's not like a whole lot I had to do with it. I mean, it's timing is so much. And um, I feel blessed, honestly. I really, really do because being now here and transplanted as, you know, a, a, a Southern California guy, um, it's been, it's so cool to know that you won a championship in both of those historical buildings. And and I, I tell you, man, that's that's a lot of fun. I get a smile every time I think about that. Or I go even to the Staples Center now. I just re I remember that confetti coming down. I remember what it was like, you know, that very first time of uh, getting a chance to to win on that court and beat the Pacers. And next thing you know, you know, we are now the world champs. At you know what? AC has another first too. He's the only player that wore Jerry curl. So when he's talking about the confetti coming down. <laughs> And getting caught in his hair. I love you, Ace. I had to throw that one in there. <laughs> Showtime with Coop Podcast. Uh, you can get us on Spotify or Apple. Uh, CLNS Media is my partner. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Jerry Crow Ace? <laughs> hey, listen, AC Green, one of the toughest, toughest defensive players. 
uh, in the NBA at that time, I like to think I was the best guard defender. AC for sure on our team and through the league was a good defensive player. And through his defensive uh, uh, approach to the game, became a, known as it became an all-star, all-star player. But Ace, what I want to ask you, who's the top five best offensive players that you had to go go against? Your top five. Wow, Scoop. Um, now, are you talking, let me make sure I understand. Are you saying I guard it? That you guard it, yeah. Okay. You guard it. Okay. I would say Carl would be one of them. From a, Carl Malone? Uh, Carl Malone, yeah. yes. He would, he would be one. Um, I would say Dominique Wilkins was Ooh. another. Human highlight was a good one. Yeah, yeah, he definitely was. Um, I didn't because somebody else on this screen was guarding the this, the counterpart. I would say Kevin McHale um, was another. What would be another because you had obviously Larry on the other side, so I didn't have to worry about him. What made him difficult to guard? Ace Kevin, long arms, big high high waist, high butt, so many moves. <laughs> All hey. All, all those things, and, and honestly, he had he had good footwork for a big guy, uh, very methodical, mechanical, um, and kept the ball so high uh, that he used. You know, it was hard to block out because he had those. He had knew how to leverage, and he had long arms. Okay, and so and then on the other side of the rebounding, he just he kept the ball up, and so you almost sometimes you felt like your little nephew playing against you. And he just held the ball up all the time out of your reach. Hey, hey did he talk trash to you? You know, actually, no, no. I, every look, everyone, every single person on that team, the Boston Celtics. They did not talk trash to me because they only talk trash to you because they <laughs> hated you. <laughs> hey, listen, Larry Bird was talking on my side, man. I, I had a muzzle on him. That's another story for another time. You owe me one more player, Ace. One more player. All right, so one, one more player that was extremely hard and tough. Uh, you know, actually, I, I'm going to say um, Rasheed Wallace. He Ooh, was a, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was he was another because he was he was one of the guys that that I guarded on a regular basis that um, stepped out to the three point line and you had to really respect that because he actually could start making those shots and so he would be another one. So that is that five or that four? That's five. That's five good ones too, Ace. Yeah. I, all right. So I had an honorable mission of Chris Webber's, but he's he's on my honorable mission list. Okay, we can throw him on there. What made Chris so hard to guard? Um, because Chris, you know, Chris. By that time, he was finding his game. You know, he was finding what he can do and where his sweet spots were in the, in the game. And so he was – he can hit that 18-footer if he got going. And so now you got to, you know, worry about that. And then and then always down low, he, he was – he had little up-and-unders, little herky-jerky type moves. He wasn't going to overpower you, but he just had a little combination inside-out, and that made it a little bit tough. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. 
we're talking to the Iron Man, AC Green, averaged 9.6 a game, seven rebounds a game, only passed the ball for uh, average 1.1 assists. So he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't passing much. And he averaged 28 minutes through them great Showtime errors. Ace, a uh, couple more questions. Uh, you listen to Showtime with Coop Podcast, insightful BS by legends. That's what this is, Ace. Insightful BS. I like that. Okay, so we're having a little bit. But uh, Ace, just give me your your thoughts and experiences and that perspective. And you know, in the finals, playing against Jordan, both with the Lakers and and the Suns, and and kind of that, you know, because that was that's the passing of the torch in some ways from the '80s NBA with the Showtime and the Celtics, then to, to MJ's Bulls. Yeah, the the you know that especially the the um, Magic Michael. Um, that first championship that they won, okay, that was um, that was a that was extremely extremely hard series, obviously for us. I mean, it, we won the first game, okay, but just the whole preparation uh, for that contest and knowing, you know, we knew that MJ was wanting to, he wanted a championship and he was he was going to explode. But it was it like in anything, and Coop would be the first to tell you, it's the it's the supporting cast that you always got to worry about. That's what I was gonna say, Ace. You know, and so it's one of those things that, um, as as funny as it was, and watching Michael do his thing, and you know, and and all the things that happened inside of that cha- that championship, their very first championship. You know, honestly, it, it it was those other guys that he set up for open shots. You know, he took all the attention, and, and he's definitely scored his. But everyone played their role so well that um, you you actually had a chance to really see it and felt that you were really playing against a, a real powerful system, not just a player. Craig Hodges, Steve Kerr, Harvey yeah. or Horace Grant, whichever one was there, yeah. uh, Bill yeah. Cartwright. He had a good uh, – and it took some years to get that, but when you got those type of players, you have the Michael Coopers, A.C. Green, Kurt Rambis, people like that around. It is easier to watch, and it's fun to watch. And when you get caught in a situation like that, did you feel like you're almost helpless, Ace, a little bit as far as playing against that great Bulls team? Um, no. You know what? Because I – you know, I always trusted our system. I trusted – I. I relied on our guys, okay, now, and it's a little bit different because now that Bulls series, okay, I'm at the end of the, we were, we almost are past the Showtime era, okay, from that standpoint. So if I had, if I had our Showtime guys, <laughs> all right, mm-hmm. and, our, and our system <laughs> that we, that we knew how to cover each other's back, we played position, um, we, we, we took a, we took away a person's sweet spot and made them start three to five feet out further than they wanted to. And by the time they made the move to get to where they wanted to be, then help was always going to be there. And everybody was rotating on, as we call on a string at that time. And so it was a little bit different. Okay. With my, with that, that 90 team. Okay. 90 uh, series. And so it wasn't helpless. But I honestly, I felt the difference, and I'm sure Magic felt the difference, you know. Also, and uh, I think Baby B was on that team also uh, that that particular year, and James. You know, that's the the, the joy of uh, of uh, decade of basketball. You know, you yeah. had the Lakers in 2010 doing the things that they did, but that that that's the fun part. And sometimes it's kind of hurtful when you're on that end where the change is being made and you're getting beat, but it's also something that makes you really cherish the moments that we went through as a certain group. And that's what I was going to ask you next. Business-wise, what do you got going on? 
Um, from a business side, um, in the esports, I'm trying to help kids get more and learn more about the gaming aspect themselves. They they love it. They're always obviously into it, but there's a lot more to it. And so I'm looking forward to uh, continue building a brand within a, the saponic.com, and people can find out more about sort of what that really is. And I, and outside of that, you know, you are constantly now. I think I'm Mr. Zoom. Okay. <laughs> Everything. You have a green screen, Ace. Do you have a green screen? Brother, I got a green, I got a green screen, I got a pink screen, I got a blue screen. <laughs> I'm getting me one. Hey Ace, you know what? You've been listening to Showtime podcast with Coop. Ace, thank you so much because Ace has been on Insightful BS by the Legends. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. It's been a true pleasure, man. And I hope to have you back sometime in the near future. Stay safe. Any last words you got to say to us? Yeah. You, I, hey, I know you're going to now give me some food, right? I know you can't, <laughs> take me to, you can't take me to a restaurant, but you can at least send that takeout order to me now, right? <laughs> I got you covered. Chester, Junior, uh, what else we call you? Panda Hands, uh, AC uh, Green. Oh, love you, man. You take care, Ace. Love y'all too, man. Appreciate <laughs> okay. it. CLNS History is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. 